Hello, Ms. Kapow. Welcome to the Kapow Radio Show. Thank you. And today's date is? Uh, the 18th of June, 2018. Perfect. And we're going to continue in our study in First John, the mm-hmm. letter of First John. And today we're reading from chapter 2, 2 through 17. 2 through 17? No, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, 12. Right? I forgot the one. I forgot the one in front of the two, Miss Capel. Oh, okay. You know why? Because one is the loneliest number you ever know. Yeah. It's true. Yep. It's true. So 12 through 17 in First John. And let's begin. All right. Let's begin. Why don't you go ahead and read that? Then once again, we'll go back, break it down, unpack it. And everybody will be happy. Yes. Yes. Okay. First John chapter 2, verse 12. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. And I write unto you, young men, because ye have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because ye have known the father. I have written unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. I have written unto you, young men, because ye are strong, and in the word of God abideth in you, and ye have overcome the wicked one. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, and the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever. Okay, you know, once again, the Apostle John, I mean, when you take in context all of his, the letters, Mm -hmm. the book of Revelation, and the gospel of John, this Apostle, he doesn't put any word, there's no wasted word, There's a reason behind everything, even though you may not get it (laughs) at first. There's like layers upon layers. Mm -hmm, That's for sure. He's he's really, really uh, deep, inspired of the Holy Spirit, really is. So there's a lot here. I know Ms. Kapow has a lot of good references and things on this. We get to the meat of the message. Basically, the meat of the message is stay in the word. Mm -hmm. It's It's the same theme really that we've been talking about not only for the last couple of months, but since 2011 abide, 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 abide in Christ stay in the word. I cannot emphasize how important it is at all times, but especially in these times, these very last strange changing perilous times that we live in mm-hmm. the end of this age that it is so important to be grounded in the truth of Scripture. Yes. I cannot overemphasize that. I, it's not just a good idea. It's absolutely imperative to keep you from falling into deception. Mm-hmm. You absolutely must know the truth. If you do not absolutely know what's truth in the scripture, then when something comes along 
that has a little bit of error in it, a little bit of sideways. The word's a little different. It, things have changed a little bit here, a little bit there. You won't know what the truth is because you don't know what it was. Mm-hmm. And now it's been changed into something else. And because you never knew what it was, you accept what it currently is. Now, now that, you sound like the Apostle John. I know. I, I'm, I'm probably not making much sense to some people, but to other people, I may be making sense too. <laughs> Just trust me on this one. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. You need to know what it was. Because if you don't, then what it may be, may be error. Mm-hmm. Things change. They See, change. That, that concept is like the wrestling of, with the word, you know, because we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and, you know, the wicked places and, and rulers of darkness. Mm-hmm. And so the word is what is the sword and that helps us fight the um, the deceptions that are out there. But it's a struggle. And it's not only with the world, but it's within our flesh, within ourselves. And I think that's the biggest struggle we have with is within us. Because we're born into sin. We're, we're born in a sin nature. And that's the nature that has to die. And you become a new creature in Christ, like Ms. Capel always emphasizes every week she emphasizes the new creature the new person mm-hmm. every week in order to become that you have to fight for that mm-hmm. salvation is free folks it's not a ma- it's not a matter of works we don't work for our salvation right that's right it's the grace of god christ work on the cross his resurrection his blood atonement that's our salvation but we contend for our faith. Mm-hmm. We are justified through Christ, but we're sanctified through keeping his commands and his words. Yeah. Even James says, what is faith without works? Mm-hmm. You have to work for it. And the sloppy agape, cheap grace stuff that's going around today says just the opposite. It's easy peasy. Mm-hmm. And it's not easy peasy. It is not easy peasy. To gain spiritual maturity, you have to fight. That's right. But when you get there, you no longer lust for the things of the world. Mm-hmm. And you're free. And it's a freedom that you can't ever imagine if you don't have it. That's right. You're free from the worry. You're free from the, the strain and the stress of the future. You don't care what CNN says. Mm-hmm. And you don't care what Fox News says. In fact, you laugh and you laugh at the calamity because you know without a shadow of a doubt that you have eternal salvation, but that the truth is in you mm-hmm. and that that Holy Spirit, that Holy seed in you leads you to all of that truth. So you need no man to teach you because he shows you these things and confirms these things. Amen. Amen. 
Demons in My Marriage Bed, a true story of spiritual warfare, changed the way my spouse and I conduct spiritual battle and has increased our alertness level to the tactics of Satan. This is an excellent training manual for building a stronger marriage by exposing the tactics your enemies use against you from all online digital retailers. God bless you all. So, verse 12, we're in chapter 2 of First John, chapter 2, verse 12. He writes, I write unto you, and I'm just going to give a little bit of this back. We're not going to dwell on this too much. There's a tense, the word write, you know, in the Greek is grapho, mm-hmm. you know, to write, to grave. Later on, he changes the tense to, I wrote. I can't tell you why, but like I said, there's, there's, there's no mistakes in this. There's a reason why the apostle John does this. Some scholars believe when he, he writes, I write, he's talking about the present tense as he's writing then that you're reading. And then later on when he says, I wrote, and in fact, the English version translates, I have written, Mm -hmm. but it's really the Greek aroist, aroist verb. It's I wrote. And many scholars believe when you read, I wrote, it means what you've just read in the beginning of my letter, Mm -hmm. not another epistle, but what I just wrote. So I don't really know, but that's the way it is. This is, it, it changes tense on you. So in verse 12, he says, I write like a present tense unto you little children because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. Here, little children, this word is used three separate times in today's lesson, but there's more than three categories. There's actually four categories of a spiritual mature person. And the little children that's mentioned twice, it's actually, it's not the same. The different words. And here, and only here in verse 12, it's technion. I write unto you technion in the Greek. And what that means, it means an infant. An infant. You, this is, he's, he's writing to brand new, newly born Christians. It's not, it's not just a little child. It's an infant. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a baby that hasn't learned to walk or talk yet or fend for itself or, um, you know, there's no, there's no maturity at all. That's what he's writing to here. The basic premise of a little infant's um, sustainability, mm-hmm. his life. The very basic premise is that their sins are forgiven. When there's an infant in Christ, brand new convert, they just now have received the faith to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the Messiah and the only way to salvation, that he is God made flesh. And they, they get that eternal life in them and they, that Holy Spirit fills them, mm-hmm. right? They mm-hmm. believe, they're called believers. 
when this happens, the very basic level is that their sins, their offenses are forgiven mm-hmm. for his name's sake, for the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, the Christ, the Messiah. Okay? So the Apostle John, I write unto you, little children, I write unto you, little infants. Why? Why am I writing to you? Because on the basic level, your offenses have been forgiven mm. in Christ. Okay? Mm-hmm. And Ms. Capel, I know you got scriptures. And, and I'll just okay. interject. When okay. You- All right. And, and if you don't, then when I get done, you can go crazy too. Whatever you need to do. So then in verse 13, once again, he writes in the like present tense. And he says, I write unto you, fathers. It's not in order. He doesn't go infants, young adults, and then old adults, fathers. He skips the young adults and then goes right to the fathers and then goes back to the young adults later. It's very odd, but there's reasons for this. Please don't look for me to tell you those reasons. <laughs> I don't know. But it's it's not by accident. He says, I write unto you fathers. The Greek word is pater. Pater. And it literally means father. An, an ancestor. Uh, an older person. A male ancestor. Yeah. Um, a founder of the family or tribe. You know, like Abraham or Jacob or Isaac. That type of thing. I write unto you, fathers, because ye have known him that is from the beginning. Just something I want to point out here. In the English version here, the words that is, is italicized. That means the translators have added that to, for clarity, that it makes sense. So they write, you have known him, referring to Christ, right? Mm-hmm. That is from the beginning. Who is from the beginning? Christ. If you were to take out the italicized translator's clarity, it would read, you have known him from the beginning. Mm-hmm. The word beginning is arche, that's which right. is like, that's what Christ is from the very foundation from, from the beginning. So I, the translators are probably going, Ugh, we can't really, it's not the fathers who have known Christ from the beginning to RK because they're here on earth, right? Mm-hmm. Blah, blah, blah. So you kind of, you know, as a translator or anything, you, they're filtering it through the best way they can look at it here on this earth. I don't know the answer to that. I'm just pointing this out. The italicized words, you have known him, that is from the beginning. That is, has been added. Mm-hmm. So I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him the way it is Christ from the beginning. If you take that is out, they've known Christ from the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, he, he could be, he could be dressing a lot of, he could be dressing the old apostles. He could be dressing a lot of people here. Right. I, I don't know. At this point in this study here, it's we're going to pass over that. And then he says, I write unto you, young men. See how he skipped? He mm-hmm. went from, from infants, a brand new Christian, to an older, mature Christian. 
you know, when I say mature Christian, I, I'm not talking about our generational ages that we know here on earth. There are people out there that are 17, 18 years old, and they have all kinds of spiritual maturity. Yeah, that's true. You know, I just picked that number out of my head. Maybe they're 10 years old because God has called them. They've, they've given their heart to God and they're just delving into the word. Mm-hmm. And they got incredible spiritual maturity at age 10. Yeah, because of their obedience to the word. Absolutely. Their submission to God. And it's, 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 and they grow. Mm -hmm. There are people out there, and I know a lot of people like this, they're, that are in their 60s or 70s or 80s. I mean, they're old, and they have the maturity level of a knucklehead. Mm -hmm. They never grow in the Lord, they never mature. It's always the same old problem, the same old thing. They never get the real knowledge. And that comes from, not studying to show themselves approved. Mm-hmm. It comes from not knowing the word of God. They may read the word. They may read it, but they don't actually ingest it. They don't eat it. They don't eat it like the scroll. They don't apply it. Absolutely. And it's like John in Revelation said, he ate that scroll. It was like, honey, mm, this is delicious. I like it. But then when it sat in his gut, it turned into bitterness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because when you got to pick up your cross and deny yourself, it gets bitter. So when I talk about spiritual maturity, I'm not talking about, um, you know, either a gender here on earth or an age. It's a spiritual thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he says, I write once again, present tense unto you, young Ben, that word is neon And it just means youth. Someone probably under the age of 40, you know, People under the age of 40, they're, they're younger. They're not elderly yet. And he's writing unto these people. And like I said, maybe he's writing literally to them. Most scholars, I, I happen to believe he's writing to the spiritually immature and mature people. Mm-hmm. He says, I'm writing to you young men because. Now, why, why, are you, why are you writing to them? Here's why. Because ye... They have overcome. They've been victorious. They've been, they've held their faith steadfast, even unto death, mm-hmm. because they have overcome the wicked one, Satan. You and we how, overcome him by our faith. Yes. Absolutely. By our faith. And you know how Christ overcame the wicked one in Matthew four, when he was taken up in the wilderness and tempted and he overcame the wicked one through the word of God. Every time Satan said something, he quoted truth to him because Satan was given half truths. These young people, it says young men, but it's, you know, it's women, every, everybody that are mature enough in the Lord and have dealt into the word and submitted themselves have overcome the wicked one. That's pretty heavy because mm-hmm. we want to be overcomers, right? Doesn't, doesn't revelation says he who overcomes will get the, uh, you know, tree of life. Mm-hmm. And then John writes, I write unto you little children. Now here is the fourth category. It's not the same little children as it was in verse 12. Mm-hmm. So there's four categories, not three. 
So he doesn't, it's confusing in the English because it looks like he's bouncing around, but it's, it's, it's not. I write unto you little children. That Greek word is, um, paidon, mm-hmm. paidon. And it means it's either male or female, little kid. It means a half grown boy or girl. <laughs> you know, it's like, so like a young child, like a young child. Yes. Yeah. Um, someone who can walk and talk and think and reason. Mm -hmm. So you're not an infant. You're not just laying there relying on the milk of the word. You actually can think for yourself, but you're not, you're definitely not a father and you're definitely not, you know, a young man yet or a young adult. You're, you're a, a young person. So he writes unto these particular teenagers, I'm going to say spiritual teenagers, because they have known the father. Mm -hmm. Now, what's interesting, he doesn't go through Jesus Christ on this one. He just says they have known the father, Mm -hmm. right? Because when you're an infant, you come to salvation. That's the basic salvation. And as you grow in maturity in the Lord, you realize that Christ was God made flesh. You've known the Father. You know, you, no man could come to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. No man has seen the Father, right? Except Christ. So they've known the Father. That's what John writes. Yeah, and that Greek word genosko means that you have an understanding of who the Father is. And, you know, and when and Jesus was talking about uh, if you know me, if you have seen me, then you have seen the Father. You have that understanding that what I'm doing, I do because I've seen the Father do. Yeah. And that's how you know the Father, yeah, through Christ. And it takes some some spiritual maturity to see that, correct? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Verse 14, he says, now he goes and the Greek changes. The, the, the Greek changes to um, an aroist tense, a past tense. And it's not, I have written, but I wrote. Let's translate. I have written, but it's, I wrote unto you. And like I said, the scholars believe he's referring. It's a Jew, Jewish idiom where he's referring back to the letter that they're reading. You know, I wrote to you, you, you just read that. I said this and this and this and not some other epistle, but like I said, I, I don't, I really don't know, but he does change tense. <laughs> I, I don't know. So verse 14, I have written unto you fathers that he, that he goes back to the fathers. Mm-hmm. Same word, fathers. The only ones that are different are the little children. One means infant in the very beginning. And what we just read in verse 13 means, you know, young person. And they're like the bookends that are not in this, this scripture. Yes. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. So I've written unto you fathers. Why has he written unto the fathers? Why did I write? I wrote unto you because you have known him that is from the beginning. It's the exact same words he just said in verse 12. Mm -hmm. It didn't change at all. At all. I'm sorry, verse 13. 
I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. Verse 14, I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. The only thing is the tense. I write to you because you've known him from the beginning. I've I've wrote to you because you're from the beginning. I don't know. But there's a reason why it's it's there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Apostle John was was deep. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, I mean, it's spirit. I mean, now come on, who who dictates the book of Revelation from the angel of the Lord? Mm-hmm. Right? If you read the gospel, it's it's not a synoptic gospel. It's totally different than the other three. Mm-hmm. Very spiritual, very spiritual stuff, deep stuff. So there's a reason why it's here. You know, I just. I don't have the spiritual maturity to tell you <laughs> what it is, but I know that there's something there, you know, and, uh, and it's not something that uh, e- it's easily explained or glossed over. So he's written or he wrote to the fathers because they have known him. We believe that to be Christ that is from the beginning or because you have known him from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So that that would make the fathers, you know, I don't know who they are, right? I don't know. Who's he writing to? And then he says, I have written unto you, young men. Here's our, you know, young adults again, mm-hmm. right? Here's our, here's our young adults. Our people under 40, spiritually, they're mature. Uh, they've got the word of God in them. They're fighting the fight. Uh, like you said, Ms. Kapow, they've got the sword of the spirit. Mm-hmm. And they're contending for their faith. They're wrestling, you know, for these things. They're working out their salvation, right? Right. He says, I have written unto you young men because ye are strong. And the word of God abideth in you. And you have overcome the wicked one. So this is a little different. He adds these things that he didn't say in verse 13. Yeah. Basically that they're strong and, um, and that they, that the word of God abides in them. Yeah. And because of that, see, now he clarifies it because of that, they have overcome the wicked one before he just says, Hey, young men, you're strong. You overcame the wicked one. Now, you know, we, you and I know that's done by faith. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, by the words of God. Well, now he just confirms that. And he says, and the word, that's the logos. Remember, we started the study talking about the eternal life. Mm-hmm. The word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Nothing was created without him. This is the eternal life that's in you. We talked about the difference between eternal life and immortality. Mm-hmm. This is that power, that energy that that's in us. That's that logos of God abide, abideth. It abides in you, these young men. And because of that, they've overcome the wicked one. And then in 15... He, exp- he he goes on really to explain this overcoming of the world, I think. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, I mean, you might sit there and go, what's the difference? I mean, what's the difference between these, these young, these young warriors and a father who's, who's known her from the beginning? You know, I don't know. Maybe the fathers are, I, I, I don't, I don't know. You know, are, are their works completed? I, I'm not sure. But we do know that the, these young men, these young ones, they're still, they're, they're overcoming. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're working it. Verse 15, verse 15, he says, love not the world. The cosmos. The cosmos. The cosmos. That's, that is this system, right? It could be, you know, anything from the stars, the moons, but in this context, it's the arrangement or the, the government, the, the order of this world, Mm -hmm. the decoration, the adornment of this place. It's the inhabitants of the earth, the ungodly multitude or the whole mass of men who are alienated from God Mm -hmm. and they're hostile to his truth. Love not the world. You ever heard the uh, term carnal Christian? Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, how's he doing his faith? Well, you know, he's, he's struggling. He's, he's, you know, he's a struggling Christian. He's, he's kind of carnal, you know, but he's, he's getting it. There's no such thing as a carnal Christian. You're the Christian or you're not, you know, mm-hmm. you can struggle with things. We all struggle with things, but you can't love the world and love God. You can't serve two masters. That's right. We keep saying that. It's not a popular message, I'm sure. Yeah, because even Jesus said in, in Matthew six twenty four that you cannot serve two masters because you will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God or mammon and mammon. Mm-mm. You cannot. You cannot. As as much as um, the hipster churches and um, you know Hillsong and these hipster guys <laughs> try to. You know, push that stuff. It's a lie, folks. Mm-hmm. It's a lie. You know? Yeah, even in Romans 12, 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And then James reminds us in James 4, 4, that um, know ye not that the friendship of the of the world is enmity with God, and whosoever there will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. It's, it's really black and white. It, it's it's not. It, this is what's amazing when, when you look at uh, modern day Christianity, and they they have embraced the things of the world under the guise of saying um, we're uh, we're reaching people mm-hmm. that traditional churches would never reach. You know, so we're bringing the world into our church services. You know, with the rock and roll bands and you know mm-hmm. smoke machines and. You know, <laughs> Dancing and acrobatics, right? Yeah, you know Christian twerking, it's social gospel. Yeah, social gospel. Something that you know what it's. They always uh, advertise it as something a short, succinct, and relevant. Mm-hmm. You know, you're gonna see, you're gonna hear a 20 minute relevant sermon. <laughs> you know how to decorate your Christmas tree. And, and here's the deal, folks: it, the, the mixing of the world, you know, or and it's also the tolerance of the world, you know, because it's okay now, you know, to be um, a sodomite and a Christian, because God understands, you know, it, it's okay. We talked about this stuff last week, uh, a lot, and we we keep talking about it, and you know, it's like I said, it's not popular. You know, people aren't busting down the doors to hear this stuff, 
But we say it out of love because it's the truth. Mm-hmm. And um, I also have a little selfish motivation on this, folks. Your blood won't be on our hands. Hmm. Crickets. <laughs> love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. And then he goes on, he says, if any man love the world, right? The love of the father is not in him. Mm. Where's the gray area? Somebody show me where the gray area is on this. The apostle John, you got, you got to realize this was an apostle who actually walked and talked and ate and touched and handled that thing, that thing that was eternal, Mm -hmm. that's always been that power, the thing that spoke creation into existence. And it became flesh in this realm. And this man who's writing this stuff actually walked and talked and Mm -hmm. communed with him. I think he has some credibility. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to listen to John rather than Hillsong. And John wrote, if any person love the world, the, the, the word is agape. Yeah. To be pleased with, to be contented at, or, you know, to, to welcome or entertain, to be fond, to love dearly. That's what it means. Do you love dancing with the stars? If any man love the world... The love of the Father is what? Diminished in him? A little gray in him? It's not in him. It's not. Not in him. You can't serve two masters. They don't mix. And in verse 16, for all that is in the world. This is a good one, Ms. Kapow. This is, you know, I know you've done studies on this a lot. For all that is in the world, and he explains what it is, the lust of the flesh. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Ms. Kapow, last week you 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 talked about lust. Mm-hmm. You talked about that desire, and um, it's a longing for, especially for what's forbidden. Yeah. It's a desire. It's a craving, folks. So all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the car- the carnality, the craving of what the body, what the flesh, what the, what this matrix wants mm-hmm. of you. Also, what's in the world is what? The lust of the eyes. Mm, yeah. The desiring. Keeping up with the Joneses. Yeah. Just looking with, oh, I got to. A little tummy tuck here, a little, you know. Yeah, I'm it's not just that envy and jealousy of what others have. Yeah. The lust of the eyes. All this stuff is not of God. Mm-mm. And then you have, this is only twice in scripture it appears, once here and once in James, the pride of life. That's right. It doesn't appear every anywhere else in, in, in the Bible, in the New Testament, at least. The pride of life, only here and in James. And the pride of life is, um, it's a arrogant boasting. It's braggadocious. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's empty braggart talk. It's an insolent and empty assurance. Remember last week we talked about insurance and assurance? Yep. This is an empty and insolent assurance. Oh, all good dogs go to heaven. Certainly, I, you know, I'm a good person. That's what I, you know how many people we've heard say that? Mm-hmm. Well, I just personally believe that if you're just, if you're a good person, you do the right thing, you know, you're going to be okay. I'm sorry, good people. I am so sorry, but that's not true. Mm-mm. It's empty assurance. And that empty assurance trusts in its own power and resources. It also shamefully despises and violates divine laws and human rights. It's an impious and empty presumption, which trusts in the stability of earthly things. Mm -hmm. Could be your bank account. Could be your bank account. When I was a young, young man, I, uh, the true story, I went outside and I, uh, Talk to God. And I said, God, <laughs> you talk about spiritual maturity, right? I said, God, you can do whatever you want. I go, but please don't touch my finances. Oh, you know? I remember you when remember you that? said that and my stomach just went to the floor. Yeah. I go, please don't touch my finances because I don't think I'll be able to hang, hang with that. You know, but you know, you can train me however you want, teach me patience and you know, blah, blah, blah. But you know, don't mess with the bank account. I don't know how long it was. Was it a week? Two weeks? I don't know. It was a week. It was like immediately. Uh, I was at work and Linda was at work. And while we were at work, we had just moved into a new home too in Riverside. Brand brand new home. We'd only been there, you know, maybe a month or so. And um, we were at work and we were at work. uh, Some some heroin addicts decided they wanted to break into our house. Mm -hmm. And uh, they cleaned us out. Yep. <laughs> they cleaned us out, you know. Uh, any, I mean, I had, at that time, I had the best of everything. I had the best stereo equipment money could buy, um, you know. And that was when you also discovered, yeah, we had just probably been there a month because yeah. that's when you realized that your, the, the money situation wasn't yeah um, the way you had thought. Yes. I had just, uh, I changed jobs. I lateraled over to another police department mm-hmm. and I'd crunched the numbers and stuff, but I, I failed to see, you know, over time, over time and, you know, holiday pay and some other things that I, I just failed to look at. You know, I was in my early thirties, you know, I wasn't, you know, yeah. And this is the first time we bought a house. <sighs> yes. You know, everything's new. And, um, I remember sitting there cause it was around Christmas time and I just literally, you know, apologizing to Linda crying. Mm-hmm. And apologizing to my wife going, I'm so sorry. I really screwed up um, because the finances weren't what they used to be. Mm-hmm. And then we got ripped off and we lost everything. And, oh, I mean, we had broken doors. And then the fear that came in. Oh, that was the worst for yeah, me. Yeah, Lynn had to stay there at night. And I worked, you know, graveyard or swing. I was working narcotics, I think, at the time, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'd be home at all hours of the night. And um, just the fear that these these guys were going to come back. Yeah. And where we lived, our um, we, our home was so new that they didn't even have street lights. No. So when it was dark, it was really dark. And um, the thieves had broken our uh, garage door, but they also broke the door that went through the garage into the house. And so the wind would um, shake the door and it would bang. And 
it, you know, it just scared me. And plus someone had told me, oh, you know, these people will come back again. And so the fear of them ever, you know, coming, returning was always in the back of my head. And when I was there at night, I mean, I, when Paul left, I literally locked myself in the bedroom and I stayed there all night. I would, I would not. And I would hear that door bang. Oh, it was awful. Yeah. So the fear that comes with all that stuff. And all the imaginations and torments mm-hmm. came with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, we tell that story to, to talk about the pride of life, <laughs> talk about the life, the lust of the eyes, everything. I mean, at you know, at the time, um, and, and this is a true story, at the time that I, I came from Long Beach Police Department to Riverside, you know, the, my, my um, partners and stuff that I had in Riverside, I literally had the, I literally had the nickname. They gave me this nickname. The man who denies himself nothing. <laughs> yeah. I had the newest and coolest sports cars. <laughs> that the best equipment I had. I, you know, I was making all kinds of money working narcotics and overtime and, and I spent it. And then I said, God, you know, just don't touch the finances. Bam. And he said, really? Yeah. And, <laughs> and you know, it was funny. We we had, a, uh, you know, at that time, we're still celebrating Christmas and stuff. And we, we sat around and I don't think we had a, I don't know if we got a little tree from Kmart or a little, I don't know what we did. No, I don't think so. But I was listening to uh, Christmas no. music on this old little Radio Shack, you know, receiver, you know, <laughs> And I went from like a multi-thousand dollar system to like a two dollar, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it was like some of the best times we had, you know, just sitting around the living room with everything gone. But, um, you know, we just tell the story to talk about, about that, about the pride of life, that arrogant stuff that you, you know, depend on. But uh, it's not of the father. Mm -mm. It's of the world. And then verse 17, it says, and the world... Everything that you depend on, and I think the story we just said will prove this too, it passes away. Mm-hmm. And the lust thereof. So not only is the system going to be removed and change, and I think we're seeing it happening right now, folks, you know? Yes. Um, we see a lot of these disasters going on all over the world, this climate change and stuff. And I know there's a lot of people out there that they want to blame HARP. They want to blame, you know, the CIA or the government or, or uh, NASA or whoever, you know, that they're, they're, they're manipulating weather and creating, you know, havoc. Um, but I heard, a, I heard a young man mention the other day, it's like, no, folks, it's, it's God. <laughs> God is bringing the judgment on a sinful world. And um, when he said that, I, I began to think about the days of Noah. And I said, in the days of Noah, the, the kings of the earth, the big Nephilims, the hybrid giants, you know, from men and angels that ruled uh, the planet at the time, they didn't create the flood. They didn't bring it in. And when you're in Sodom and Gomorrah, the, the leaders of, of Sodom and all those, those, those evil cities around there, they didn't bring down the uh, fire from sky. It was God. God brought the flood. God brought the fire. So you look around today and you see uh, Hawaii v- volcanoes going off. Mm-hmm. You see floods everywhere, earthquakes. I mean, it's it's crazy. Folks, if you haven't, get on YouTube and type World of Signs. Like this this young guy, or I think it's a guy. I don't know who it's a guy or a gal. I don't know who it is. About every three days, he 
they post these incredible things that are going on around the planet and it's current. It's just stuff that happened the last couple of days and you won't believe it. It will open your eyes that something drastically is not right here and it's passing away and the world pass away and the lust thereof. It's all going to go. It's all changing. I think it's changing now. Mm-hmm. But he that does the will of God abides forever. And last week we talked about who's your brother, who's your sister. And we went and we went back and we read the scripture where Jesus was told, Hey, your mother and your sister and your family's outside. And he goes, who's my brother, my mother's, you know, except those who do the will of God. That's who your brother is. Mm-hmm. And right here it says, he that doth the will of God. So my brethren, those who do the will of God are the ones that are going to abide forever. They get everlasting life. They abide in Christ forever because the world's it's going away. It's, it's, it's a phony system. Mm-hmm. You're going to see that more and more that it is reality is not what you think it is. And it changes and it is changing and it's changing fast. And I'm not talking fast, like once a month or once I'm talking like every so many minutes, things change. Yeah. It changes. (laughs) It's different. And there's little glitches everywhere. It's fading. It's passing. There's some weird, weird stuff going on. Mm -hmm. You know? So, Ms. Kapow, I know you have some stuff about abiding and things also. Well, as I was reading and studying uh, 1 John, you know, a lot of his um, teaching... Um, I found in uh, John 15, and I'm just going to read John 15, 9 through um, chapter 16 through mm-hmm. uh, verse 3. Because as, as, um, as you read this, as I read this to you, you will find a lot of similarities of what Jesus taught as to um, what... Um, the Apostle John wrote about in his epistles. Okay. So I'm just going to read and then we'll go for that. All right. Okay. Um, so John 15, verse 9, I'm going to start there. It says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. See the similarities here? Yeah. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. And this is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that a man may lay down his life for his friends. And ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord does. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. There's that word known again. Mm -hmm. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And fruit is born out of seed. So when we have the seed of God and we abide and we obey, then we produce fruit, everlasting fruit. And this fruit 
glorifies the Father. And this is the will of God. Verse 17, These things I command you, that ye love one another. And if the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. And if you are of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. And remember mm. John was talking about not loving the world or the yeah. things in the world. Remember the word that I said unto you, that the servant is not greater than his Lord. If ye have persecuted, if they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me, which is the Father. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hates me hates my Father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not, they had, not had sin. But now have they both seen and hated both me and my Father. Mm. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me, and he shall also hear, bear witness, because ye have been with me from the beginning. And this word beginning is arche, the same word that the Apostle uh, John uses in wow. his writings. Yeah. These things have I spoken unto you, that ye should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time comes that whosoever kills you will think that he does God's service. And this goes back to 15, 20, 21, when Jesus said, um, remember that the world said, um, that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. Yeah. And if they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And if they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. But all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Hmm. So then uh, chapter 16, 3 says, And these things will they do unto you, because they have not known the Father nor me. So you see that there's a lot of, um, that a, a lot that the Apostle John wrote was from the teaching of the Lord Jesus that he also wrote for us in the book of John himself. Yeah. So that's all I wanted to bring wow. out. It, it's, it's just like I said earlier, you know, here's a man who walked, you know, with God made flesh. And that's why you can, that's why you hear those similarities, mm -hmm. you know, amazing. Yeah. It's an amazing book. So the bottom line is the, I think the bottom line here, the takeaway from today's message is, the abiding yeah, mm -hmm. and the staying in the word. I mean, it's specific. Yep. It's very clear and very specific that the, the young men who overcame or overcome the wicked one, they, they do that through the word, having the word in them, mm -hmm. having the truth and police, you know, when I would, 
I was talking about in the beginning of the show. I'm serious. It's changing. I mean, I'm not, I'm not just talking about the translations all around you. You know, the Jesuits have, have changed the word of God, you know, um, that we read. Mm-hmm. We know that. And so you can say, well, then I'm not going to read the Jesuit Bible. I'm going to read a King James Version Bible. But things change. They can change. And if you don't have that truth already ingrained in you, you're not going to know it. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to accept the change. And it's there's several consequences of that, you know. It either bolsters up the Jesuit Bibles or it, you know, diminishes, you know, what you're reading. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you have to get that in you. Um, as, as busy as the schedule might be and, um, you know, hard to find reading time or study time, you know, you find a time. Mm-hmm. You know, you just you make up how many minutes or how many how long you want to study or, you know, let the Holy Spirit guide you. But. You know, get into the word, pick, pick a, a book and just start and just start delving into it and learning everything you can. Yeah. And word. you know, when in first John, when you were talking about the present tense and the past tense of uh-huh. writ, write and written, yeah. you know how um, when he's writing, he's writing to the little children, then the fathers, the young men, and then the little children. And then in the past tense of the word written, he's only writing to the fathers and the young men. Oh, yeah, but it just seems that to me, when I read it, um, present tense, you know, you become your children in the present tense right now. Mm-hmm. But as you mature and you feed upon the word and you're obedient and you're bringing in fruit of God, then it's like he's, it's past tense. You're, you've, it's kind of like you've matured, Yeah. you know, and in, in Hebrews um, 5, it says in verse 12, for when the time ye ought to be teachers, you have need that one teach you again, which be of the first principles of the oracles of God and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Wow. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Wow. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, the mature ones. Even those who, by reason of use, have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. By reason of use. Mm-hmm. You have to think. Right? Mm-hmm. God-given critical thinking. And be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. Yeah. I like what you said there. I really do. About uh, the, I didn't notice that, that the, uh, the present tense included the little children. Mm-hmm. Both the infants and the, um, you know, the teenagers, mm-hmm. but only the past tense included the fathers and the young adults. Right. Um, and I, I like that. See, that's another layer. It's like a spiritual layer that you don't, you don't see mm-hmm. in that book. And I like it. It rings true. It feels, if it, it feels right. It sounds right. That, um, Hey, I wrote because you're no longer an infant. You're no longer a teen, you're no mm-hmm. longer immature, you know, you've overcome the wicked ones, you know, and the father, because you've known him from the beginning, right? you know. Um, and that's what everlasting life is about. Life everlasting is knowing God. Yeah. 
Yes. Absolutely. That was good. I like that. Amen. Amen. Well, do you have anything else? That's it, Jerry Brown. <laughs> Jerry Brown? Jerry Brown. Okay. Well, then, I thought that was a good lesson. And uh, if you just give everybody a ciao. Ciao, babies. <laughs>